somebody in the mood for an early morning alligator? Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. We are sponsored by Whimsy's Alligators. Bijou is enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator right now, which I said early morning alligator because it's like 5.30 in the morning right now. But my schedule has been like this lately, and everything's working the way it's supposed to, so I'm not sweating it. I don't really care. I'm not... uh, Time is a mad-made concept, honey. And... I'm a woman of the new generation. I don't have time for all these man-made concepts. Just playing. Stuff I have to take care of is getting taken care of during the hours that they have to be taken care of. But sometimes it's like this, you know? Uh, sometimes my schedule is flipped. And I'm not going through any, like, weird kind of depression or anything to, like, worry about. It's just... Right now, it's hot. So uh, me and Bijou have to go for our walks late at night. And then also there's the fact that since I'm a comic and I'm working on shit, uh, I have to be out a bit more at night. And so I don't know what the point would be for me just being up early. I know I'm going to have to go back to that soon. I'm going to have to change it to 8 o'clock in the morning and make my days longer. I know that that's happening. But for right now, that's not what it is. You know, I've been uh, eating right. I've been working out like I'm supposed to. Me and Bijou have been on our schedule, which people don't really understand that when it comes to Bijou. I am especially uh, like I baby her a little bit sometimes because sometimes... She just has to be part of the team and working too, which may sound ridiculous because she's just a little doggy. But the thing is, when we're on the road together, I don't always get to pay the most attention to her or spend the most time with her. Yeah, she's with me. So I take her outside to go potty and I, you know, try my best to take her for walks. Like when we were in Temecula, uh, you know, I was taking her out for walks every night. And it's, you know, uh, but a lot of times it is I have to leave her in the car. And of course, I always leave the air conditioning on. She lives a better life than most people. So I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, you know, sometimes people are like, you leave your dog in the car. And it's like, yeah, the car is running the whole time. I check it occasionally and make sure nothing happened with my AC. I told you guys I had an AC problem when I was in what's it called, but we found that out like while we were in the car. And so I took care of that right away because otherwise Bijou would just have to stay in the hotel room or, you know, that kind of stuff, which, you know, she's great with that too. Like she's non-destructive. She's completely good. And, but she just has to be a trooper sometimes. And I don't get to spend the most time with her. I don't feel like I get to spend the most time with her, even though we are together. And so Sometimes times like this, when we get home, it's like, okay, I got to take care of my baby. I got to make sure everything's all right with her and she's getting her, oh, she's got a great life. She's got a great life. She's got a daddy that really loves her, but she also works hard for me. So I, you know, we're, we're good. We're a good match, me and little Bijou. So there's that. Um, I did acid the other night, which I talked about that on my YouTube channel. I don't really know how much I plan to talk about it here. I guess I didn't really talk about the way it felt being on acid. Uh, but 
and I talked about this a little bit. Like, I was a little bit skeptical or scared even of doing it because I had read things online and about ego death and, you know, that kind of stuff. And when I read that stuff, I was just kind of like, well, I don't really feel like I have a lot of ego left. And I know some people would think that that's kind of contrary to some of the... I've just grown a lot in the last probably two years where life has just taken me a different way and I see things in a more level-headed way. And I don't know... Well, I think it's because I've gone through exploring the emotions of anger and being vindictive and sometimes being spiteful. And I haven't ever let myself completely get lost in it. But there were times where I was more in it than I wanted to be. And I realized that I like getting along with people better. I like being surrounded by positive energy better and not in a hippy-dippy way, just in a for-your-sanity way. You know, like, you could resent what other people have going, and that's something that I really haven't fed a lot into. There have been times where I've looked at people and been like, hey, why are they getting this? But I think that's just natural in any business or in any situation. But I really never fed into that completely with myself where I've been like, yeah, just go with that and lean into the hate or lean into the resentment or lean into the why not. Uh, I just, you know, have never wanted to live in that energy. But there definitely have been times where I focused more on the negative than the positive. And, you know, it just doesn't feel good for me. Also, people like me better, like the people that I'm sure even the botherinas for the most part like me better when I'm more on the positive side and being fun because that's when I'm giving you what it is you actually probably were first attracted to when it came to me. You know, you probably liked my stand-up and liked the fact that I could make things funny that were maybe not always the most funny or were not given um, license to laugh at or have a good time with. And I'll always be doing that just because that's the way my sense of humor works. But as far as truly feeling anger and truly hating people or disliking certain groups, that's just not the way that I've really grown up living my life. You know, when I don't like something or somebody, I just stay away from it or don't mention it really too much. I, I don't pay it too much mind in in the real me, you know, but at a point I had gotten caught up in also I think kind of the ego and kind of the the perception of me, you know, sometimes when people see you a particular way, then you want to satisfy that in them in a way because you think maybe that that's what they like or what would attract them or what keeps them around. But I also feel now like more just what people keeps people around is like me being the most authentic me uh, and it, sometimes in those times I wasn't being the most authentic in the way that I was letting things affect me more than they should because I thought that I was supposed to have these reactions like certain things I could have just let roll because it's like they didn't matter and I was the only one that made them a big deal like if it had been the other person even just talking about me or saying them it wouldn't have had nearly the effect if I hadn't 
given it a megaphone by adding my voice to it and, you know, my voice here on uh, Unbothered, my voice in Facebook, my voice in Twitter, my voice in Instagram. Like, sometimes I would get caught up on these things and then I just decide I wanted to demolish this person or demolish this point of view or this, this particular group that was coming for me. And there were points where people really were coming for me. But at the same time, it's up to me whether or not I choose to actually focus on that. Does that really matter in my life? Does it matter in the scheme of things? Is it making me money? When it comes to certain things like political opinions and stuff like that, I have to admit that some of that did make me money and some of it did gain me some notoriety and it definitely did get me another TV credit, albeit a small one. But I still, you know, I really do like the all-deaf digital credit because... For whatever people would say about scandals to do with Russell Simmons and that kind of stuff, all I know is that when I was on those sets, it was mostly people of color, black women specifically, that were working on all the behind-the-scenes stuff with All Deaf Digital, uh, women of color in general. Ida Rodriguez was very much involved on the production side of uh, Roast for America. Then when I moved on to All Deaf Digital's Movie Awards, which that was a great experience. You know, that's something I'll always have. Tiffany Haddish bailed me out in a situation, but I've known Tiffany forever, so that was just a friend bailing me out. Uh, like, sometimes when you say stuff like that, people act like, oh, you're name-dropping or whatever. Me and Tiffany Haddish are not besties, but yes, we are friends. And yes, we do actually hug when we see each other, and yes, we do actually talk, and I love seeing all this stuff happen for her because it's been a long time in the making, and that's how a lot of us became friends with her in the first place, was seeing her on the L.A. comedy scene and seeing her just be a comic, trying to make stuff happen. There was uh, one point where she used to sell uh, hand, like bags, like sort of sparkly sequined uh, backpacks, like the kind you would get at the swap meet and stuff like that. They weren't even her merch, didn't say her name on them, anything like that. She just found a wholesaler, got her a deal on them and sold them as merch so that she could make extra money because that woman is an actual hustler and somebody that was trying to figure everything out and keep everything paid. Her husband used to come out regularly to the shows, her ex-husband now, um, which isn't any kind of scandal. You know, she wrote about being in that relationship in her book and she talked about it on appearances and stuff like that. So, you know, when people show those pictures or I saw those pictures, I was like, yeah, that's him. That was her husband. I don't know her to have ever denied that relationship. You know, and she also was honest about the way that it ended, and it's consistent with what she said in, you know, any appearance that she's done or her book or anything like that. I haven't read the book, but I know they've talked about the expert excerpts, or I've heard them talk about the excerpts before. And yeah, so for me, it's just kind of like, you know, this is what it is uh, when it comes to uh, all deaf digital helping me out and also getting to see, uh, I think that gets lost a lot of times on certain people. If you're not an ethnic person in this country, I think sometimes you don't realize exactly how much it can mean to you. If you're a person of color, um, seeing black or brown people completely running something like when you're just kind of like, okay, this pretty much all of the makeup artists are either black women or like I said, just women of color. Um, there's a few white people around, but for the most part, you know, I got to sit at a table with Amber Rose and Black China, and I mean sit at a table with them, like we were at the same table, 
uh, and LL Cool J was laughing when I was fucking up because uh, I did mess up my line. I yelled at Oscar from The Office, you know, and all of that was because of my fucked up political opinions. It all was born from me being the only one that was supporting Trump. And I'm Latino and I'm gay. And like, do I support everything he does now? Fuck no. Did I support any, everything he did then? Not at all. But the thing was, I personally thought he was a better choice. And I still feel that way. Like, I'd rather have him getting blocked, getting shit taken out of his hands like a fucking two-year-old every two seconds and people outraged on TV than have Hillary getting away with a bunch of crooked-ass shit. Uh, and I don't say it because of the crooked Hillary thing, but just, like, you know, if you know, like, you know, with prisons and all that shit, it's kind of like, yeah, you fucked over a lot of people of color, a lot of black people in particular. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I... <laughs> Contrary to what, what uh, young white uh, SJWs in LA would think, I'm all about people of color. I am a person of color. It's just I have a different way of looking at things and I had a different way that I wanted to go about things. Uh, have I chosen anybody this time around? Nope. And I'm 100% honest about the fact that my vote is up for grabs. Nobody has my loyalty right now. Uh, I was, And I probably won't make that big a deal about it or talk about it that much. You know, it definitely won't be the last, like the last one on any level. But like... Um, What's her name? Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard, Tulsi, I, her name escapes me right now, um, but Tulsi is her first name, and I watched her on Joe Rogan, and, you know, I really liked the amount of times that she said um, civil discourse because I think that that's, you know, something that we need more of in this country is people to talk to each other. And I know some people would be like, well, the president you voted for didn't. And I get that. And I'm fine with that. I, I fully acknowledge that. But that's kind of one of the reasons that I also couldn't necessarily go with the left because I had so many people that I should be agree in agreement with talking to me like absolute shit. And I just felt like, well, I get it that maybe you feel like you've been marginalized and whatever else. But at the same time, don't all of a sudden start talking to me like I'm a complete asshole when it, like really we should be on the same side and we should figure out how to make that happen. And if that means you kind of acquiescing to me at the same time as I, you know, do the same in certain ways with you, then let's figure it out that way. But as far as you just calling me an asshole and a dumbass and like a lot of the way that people were talking, I was just like, yeah, well, that's not the way I would let anybody talk to me. And, but, you know, and I, so I stand by some of that at that time, but that doesn't mean that that's still the way that I want to continue to operate moving forward. It doesn't mean that that's necessarily what I think is the best tool at this particular time. And I think that that's something that's very important for all of us to do is every once in a while recalibrate and think, is this exactly the way that I want to come off moving forward? Do I just want to be this person because this is the person that I was in 2017 and 2016? Or can I say now this is 2019 and there's a different way I want to go at it or maybe a different strategy that I think would be more beneficial than the one that we had last time? Do I want to continue to like contribute to 
you know, everything being in the kind of turmoil that it's been in. And I think, like I said, that it has been necessary, but at the same time, it might be time to move on from that in on the political side, as, just like it's been that kind of time for me on the personal side, you know? It would make sense that the two would be connected. Like, how would I be one person in my personal life, and then when it comes to politics, be a completely different person and going for something completely different? Now, will my backup end up against the wall again in 2020 because I'm really not liking an approach again? I hope not. I really hope that, but I also noticed that a lot more people have started to move more towards actual conversation and being like, okay, well, what is logical? Because there are problems that most of us can acknowledge, you know, even like, you know, it seems to have slowed down a bit, but then you see like there was, I think it was in Michigan where there was this kid, um, a young black kid was uh, being beat up in the back of a police car by a cop, like actually punched in the back of the police car, car and they've got footage of it, and they're still not sure if they and won't say if the police officer is being disciplined in any way. And it's kind of like, well, at what point do we as citizens get to say, yeah, we want to see these people be disciplined so that moving forward, other officers won't do this kind of stuff? Because it really does, like, hurt the cause when you're a police officer and you're doing stuff that you're not supposed to be doing, like you're really not helping anybody out and you're not getting that. Like you really are messing up. Like when I had to call the police with my situation and I'm getting treated like the criminal, well, I'm a person that's always been respectful with the police. I'm a person that was raised waving to the police. My mom would always tell me when I was little, wave to the policeman, wave to the policeman. You know, if anybody ever tries to kidnap you, if anybody ever tries to get you in a car or a van, because I grew up, you know, in different time and there was... uh, like the Adam situation I know was like, you know, when I was little, little. And uh, that's John Walsh from America's Most Wanted, his son that he talks about. Like that had just happened. So when you're growing up like that and your mom wants you to know that you're supposed to have a good relationship with the police and makes you wave to them all the time and then you grow up and then you see like and you know it really has changed my reality the fact that I have a tattoo on my face people see a tattoo on your face and a lot of times at first glance even regular people ask me if it's a teardrop and it's not a teardrop at all. So, you know, when when people assume that just from seeing it and don't even bother to zoom in and look at it, but I guess we're not supposed to look at each other's faces like that or like mine's right under my eye. So, you know, it's it's maybe seems personal to them, like maybe but you know, I would rather them do that and see what it actually is than be um or just assume, you know, the, and the way the police talk to me, like I said, I've noticed that that's changed because I've been me my whole life and I remember the way that they talked to me before that happened. Now, uh, there was a time like two weeks ago where I got pulled over for not having my headlights on. Very simple fix. I turned my headlights on and I'm thinking in my head, yeah, that's done. And then all of a sudden the officer starts asking me, um, have you ever been to prison? And I was just like, no. And then he was like, uh, ever been to jail, ever been arrested. And he fired it off like that. And I was like, these aren't regular questions that they usually ask. I've been pulled over before. I know this isn't normal. 
And so I just told him, I was like, officer, please stop being ridiculous. And then he was like, uh, he was like, what do you mean? You know, it's like, you have my license. You're going to run me anyway. So go do your little fucking detective work and figure out what you need to figure out and come back to me and you tell me where we're at. Because really, as far as I'm concerned, this was just me getting pulled over from my headlights. And now all of a sudden we're talking about, like, have I been to prison and whatever else? So what if I had? I haven't been to prison, but so what if I had? I can't be rehabilitated just because I have a tattoo on my face. And do you now treat me differently, even though we're just at a routine traffic stop and I've already complied? Like, you let me know that my headlights were off. Thank you. I mean, like, and that's the way I was treating it when he first told me. I wasn't at all tripping on him or, like, fuck these cops. I mean, like, that wasn't my... uh, but now I'm starting to feel more like that because, like I said, when I had the situation here at my house and I had to deal with the cops and instead of wanting to listen to me, the first thing they did was want to frisk me. And it's like, is this the way you would treat anybody in a domestic violence situation or is this because I'm a gay man or is this because I'm a gay brown man with tattoos and a tattoo on my face as well? Because instead of actually taking my statement, you're asking to take pictures of my tattoos. You asked me to take pictures of my arms. Well, I didn't say there was anything wrong with my arms. I didn't say that there had been any damage to my arms. I didn't say that I had been assaulted in that way. You know, I didn't even say that, you know, there was anything to look for. Like, technically, the only thing that really happened was I got my key ripped out of my hand and I had the key ring around my pinky and it made my pinky bleed. And that turned out to be the thing that they used them for. So, like, if you, you know, want to ask me about my hand or that kind of thing, but when I know you're just trying to take pictures, of my tattoo for your database it's like now you're not doing what you're supposed to do when i have a restraining order and the officer refuses to respect it because my ex looks like a young well is a young white man and looks like a young kid that maybe i'm in some way corrupting and i'm just some old brown fag with fucking tattoos clearly a bad influence on this good kid And that's the way I'm being treated. And then you think that doesn't change the way that I feel about the police and the amount that I trust them and the amount of support. And I know police officers. I know people that are very good as far as, you know, they're good cops and they have good families. And so I have seen that side of it, too. But at the same time, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they can be good, you can be good. How about if you're not ready for your job or you don't like doing your job? then you find something else to do with your time and stop giving genuine and good police a hard time or making it harder for them, I should say. Because that's all you're doing is really making the relationship worse between the community and, and uh, and the police officers who are there for our sake. They're there to enforce laws for, you know, for our safety, um, there's protect and serve, you know, there's, I think a lot of the cops forget both and well worry about protecting themselves and don't worry about really serving the people. So, you know, when, when we see these kinds of things happening and we're starting to address them more, but it's been very slow going when it comes to that kind of thing, you know, it's, it's been very slow for anybody to take account uh, or accountability, And so, you know, there's certain things like that where you do kind of, well, not kind of, like in a lot of cases you have to acknowledge unless you're just completely not at all, you know, 
ever have anything to do with the cops, in in which case you're probably white and you feel like they're doing great. And I'm not saying that about all white people, but there are a fair amount of white people that don't even acknowledge that people of color. Then there's also, you know, that I didn't necessarily like the way that Black Lives Matter or people saying Black Lives Matter really went at that, you know, because... At first, uh, you know, they later on changed their strategy, um, but at first they were just trying to make it their own thing. And it was like, okay, well, a lot of, you know, a lot of Hispanics, a lot of Latinos have been through the same thing. Well, this isn't about them. This is about us. Okay, well, we can't be completely about you if you're saying, like, don't you don't care about us. And then even when you expand it out to like white people, if you wanted to make it more relatable, because the same thing happens to a lot of poor white people and in a different way in a lot of cases. But if you can take a certain group of people like, you know, like if you can kind of make everybody bond over this thing, like, yes, it is terrible that it happens to anybody. But look at these statistics when it comes to the amount and the frequency that it happens to people of color in general. Now, let's go ahead and isolate uh, where it's African Americans, you know, like black people in general, because that's the other thing. Like, everybody's always arguing over words, but sometimes you're using the word African American or the term African American, and you're not even talking about African Americans. Like, my friend Dwayne is West Indian, or no, Dwayne is actually Jamaican. Renee is West Indian, uh, but uh, Dwayne is Jamaican. So, you know, he's not African American. He would be Jamaican American, maybe if you would say anything, but he just refers to himself as black. And so let's look at the numbers when it comes to black people in general. Like, look at the amount, like, even compared to brown people or especially white people, the disparity in the numbers. And then go at it that way and say, see, if it sucks for you, imagine how much worse it sucks for them. And then when it comes to black people, you could say like, yeah, and it sucks for you. But also you have to remember that it sucks for them too if they're not in a privileged class when it comes to white people or if there's, you know, there's so many layers to it and so many places where we can, you know, look at each other and maybe help each other out and also relate to each other if we at least talk and we don't just shut each other down and act like my struggle has to be so much worse than yours. Yeah, sometimes it factually is worse. But that doesn't mean that you can't take a step back and make it relatable for other people so that you actually get the support that you need for something that's very important to everybody when it comes down to it. And it's not just about, you know, cops. It's also uh, immigration, When I talk about immigration, it's kind of like, well, uh, at that particular point, Hillary and the Democrats weren't really wanting to talk about it very much at all, and they were just leaving people in limbo. Well, at some point, it's okay to say that these people, not only, not from a, a perspective of xenophobia or anything like that, but these people deserve to actually know what their fate would be or have a good idea of what their fate would be. And if we're going to let these people continue to live in the country, then we should offer them some sort of path to citizen, citizenship or some kind of way of 
of actually being invested in the country other than just waiting for them to die and their kids are now, you know, their kids have been citizens because they were born here. Like, why should a family have to worry about whether or not somebody's going to get deported? Let's just figure out a way that makes sense to either make them citizens or say that they just have to go back, you know, which in most cases you would want these people to be citizens because they've already been functioning as citizens and in a lot of cases paying taxes and doing the stuff that they're supposed to do even if they did it through somebody else's social security card or whatever you know like there's different ways that people have made this country work for them and and it's like if you could make them legit if they would rather be legit too and be able to claim their taxes because i know in a lot of cases what people used to do back in the day was they would uh let somebody use their social security number and then that person would work you know that person would be illegal and work as them and then the exchange for that or the trade-off for that in some cases would be I get your tax, you know what I mean? Your, your tax return. Like that's the way some people did it back in the day. And, uh, you know, I would never let anybody use my shit just because I don't want anybody getting in trouble or whatever they might do. Uh, identity theft becomes kind of a worry at that point, but I've seen people do that and have agreements like that. I personally saw that way back in the day. And so for me, it's kind of like seeing that kind of stuff. It's just like, yeah, well, you know, these people should not have to get fucked over. When I was in, uh, I can't remember where it was, Dillon, Missouri, Dillon. I'll look it up and then tell you guys. But one lady was telling me, and she was just sharing with me. She wasn't trying to be, like, rude or offensive or anything like that. She personally said that she was disgusted by it, which I do believe, but it's just a part of their actual history in that area. She let me know that back in the day, they would have the illegals come work the farms and stuff like that, work the land. And then once they were, you know, coming towards the end of the season, they would tell them that there was a problem, you know, getting their checks about two weeks out or whatever. And so these people would be waiting on their checks and what they would do instead was call immigration on them. Then they get deported. Now we don't have to pay you for those last two weeks. You know how much money that had to, that probably saved them. You know how much that had to hurt on the other side. Immigrants who are already getting paid nothing now getting paid literally nothing. It's horrible. You know, it's horrible that people should have to go through that. Um, dreamers like you, you know, I did an episode about that where I talked to Johan Miranda and uh, he's a good friend and he was willing to talk about it. But even he was like, yeah, I don't necessarily blame Donald Trump. It's easy to say you blame Don- Donald Trump when there were actually 10 Supreme Court justices that uh, had, had, you know, uh, made this decision or like, you know, started the ball rolling as far as uh, ending DACA and all of that went. And so, or was it attorney generals? Uh, Attorney generals, maybe. Yeah, attorney generals. Uh, And so he had talked about that, you know, and so it's, it's sometimes... It's nice to just have one person to look at and say, yeah, I hate this person. I'm going to throw darts at this dartboard. But when you really look at it and you're like, okay, that that goes actually a little bit deeper. And then when they're trying to present it as, you know, them having like nine months to figure it out. And then you actually do the reading behind it because I had to for this one particular show I did called We the People, which was a really fun show we did. And they, you know, sent us like materials to read so that we'd all be well versed in like 
both sides and what, what the thing was. And I really liked the job they did as far as their research team. You know, but uh, then it turned out to be something like 11 years and nine months or 10 years and nine months. And it's like, okay, so you've already had 10 years technically to work on this where you were supposed to be working on it and you were supposed to figure it out. And now you're being given a nine month deadline and you're freaking out about it. Well, what were you doing in the last 10 years? In 10 years, you couldn't come up with anything. But we can't address that because if you address it, then you're considered xenophobic. Well, how am I xenophobic if I'm not even saying that I don't want these people here? Actually, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying actually the more humane thing is to figure this out and then let's give them an actual solution or an actual answer like this is what we're saying is going to happen. This is what we're saying needs to happen if you're going to continue to be here. And like I said, I personally am for a lot of the people that are already here being here. Then when, you know, you wanted to talk about, you know, certain problems like MS-13 or some of the gangs that have come into other countries and you're saying, yeah, let's just go ahead and get rid of these people. And then there's people that are like, no, we still owe them whatever, whatever their due process. And it's like, yeah, that's great in theory. But at the same time, if you already know somebody is up to no good here, why do we have to waste all the taxpayer money, like uh, putting them through the same process as a person that really, and putting them in the same line in some cases ahead of people that are actually here doing what they're supposed to be doing and we need to get them fast-tracked to actually being able to be secure and be taken care of and know that they're going to have be able to make a future in this country or continue to build their future in this country you know instead of having them behind the line with somebody that's Maybe not the best. When I was living in L.A., I mean, like, you know, I lived in an MS-13 neighborhood and I saw the way that worked. And yeah, I mean, like if you're an American citizen, in a lot of cases, you're going to be left alone a lot more because they have a lot more re or you have a lot more um, recourse. Like you can actually call the police if you have to. So you're going to get treated better for that. But then when you get to like, you know, uh, living with immigrants or around immigrants and you see the way that the landlords treat them and how long the landlords will take to actually do stuff in their apartment because again he, who are they going to call and yeah LA is a sanctuary city which you would think would make it so people feel more comfortable calling the police but not 100% people don't always 100% trust that so instead these people would rather live you know under a couple extra rules that are put on them by or be mistreated by management you know um, when rather than actually call attention to themselves and have to give the police their address and stuff like that and you know it, it like all of it needed to needs to be worked on still needs to be worked on but at least like we started that conversation and hopefully the conversation continues you know whoever's in office next and somebody comes up with an actual solution for some of these very real problems that we as Americans should all be a little more open to conversation on if for nothing else so that maybe sometimes somebody will throw out the dumbest suggestion and from that it'll trigger some really good and smart thinking from other people because sometimes it's the quote unquote dumbest questions that'll make you come up with the quickest answers or the best answers where you're kind of like okay that was ridiculous but 
What about, and you don't have to say that to the other person like that. You can find a nice way of saying it. Sometimes you can even make people believe it was their idea in the first place. They're like, I did say that, didn't I? And you're like, yes, and you're a genius. And you pat them on their head and you get their way, get your way. So uh, not that I know anything about that kind of behavior. You know, I'm never uh, good at getting people to get do what it is I need them to do. Like, it's the same with me in the redneck rooms, and it's not like I'm doing any kind of fucking hypnotizing or making people go against their... I just need you to respect me as a person. So if I can... And I need to get some laughs from you. So if I can find a way to speak your language and we both, like, get each other on a different level, not only am I going to have a more enjoyable experience as a comic, you're going to have a more enjoyable experience as an audience member. We're going to have a good time. And that's all I need from you. You know, I'm not worried about the rest. I talk about my opinions on my podcast. I talk about my opinions on YouTube. But as far as when it comes to comedy, I'm really there to make you laugh. And even when I do this kind of stuff, I really am just here to maybe trigger a little bit of a different thinking and maybe we all get to a better place because really all I'm suggesting, I'm not suggesting that anything be done a particular way if you listen to the words that I've said so far. All I'm saying is that we should all be able to talk about it and we should be able to do it in a civilized manner. And I think most people that have any kind of sense about them or have been noticing what's going on in the news knows that some of these things do have to be addressed. You know, do we need to get caught up on the Colin Kaepernick situation and all of that stuff? In some cases, it's another good way to start a conversation. So, yeah, in a sense, we do because there are issues of race in this country that haven't necessarily ever been addressed and always get swept under the rug. And sometimes when you keep sweeping things under the rug, eventually the people that are having their problems swept under the rug are going to be like, no, you have to fucking listen now. And so they'll do something to get your attention. And yeah, it'll piss you off. But, you know, sometimes if you really think about it, you're like, well, maybe that does need my attention. Maybe if they're jumping up and down this much about it, there's something there that I should pay attention to. And there's nothing wrong with questioning that. And there's nothing wrong with sometimes deciding, no, maybe that isn't important to me. And then we know where you stand on that. And then there's people that will shame you for that and be like, how dare you? But the how dare you thinking is one that I really don't get down with, you know, because sometimes you will get the change out of people you need from them. It just doesn't happen overnight. And if you go too hard on the how dare you, then you've pushed them to be even more firm in their stance, however wrong it may be, however blind it may be. And then sometimes just out of nowhere, somebody will end up having an epiphany and be like, oh, I do get that. There's just a situation like that when it comes to rap. It was like, I think it was... Cash Doll was saying that, uh, which I don't know if you know who this person is, but uh, they were talking about colorism in the rap industry and, you know, in hip hop in general. And uh, Cash Doll has always said that's not a thing, you know, that she hasn't experienced that and she doesn't think it has to do with the color of her skin. She's darker. You know, people were talking about how lighter skin uh, lighter skinned women uh, in hip hop get better treatment and that kind of stuff and she was saying that she hasn't experienced that you know that that's not a thing and so she was going the that's not really a thing route and then it happened to her just recently and now she's you know put out a statement where she said 
that she actually experienced it for the first time. And a lot of people will take that as a, you know, well, now you made your bed and, and you can lie in it. But it's like, no, you should use this person as an ally now that they've seen and now that they can use their voice to add to what it is that you've been saying all along or give that more of a spotlight. You know, I thought a huge opportunity was missed. And I know some people really hate Tommy Lahren. But when she got uh, fired from, I think it was Fox that she was on, or maybe it was doing stuff with Fox and Friends, or I don't or I don't even know. What was she? I don't think it was Fox. No, it was that PJ whatever media. Was it PJ Media? Whatever it was, you do the research. I can't remember the specifics on these. So many things happen. But Tommy Lahren had gotten in trouble with them, and then she was having her problems and not getting paid and not getting the money that she was supposed to get because, you know, they were saying breach of contract or that she had violated whatever their rules were, whatever it was. And then a bunch of women, like, came down on her and were like, you've been spouting this hate all along and whatever. And it's like, no, this was your chance to go ahead and take her voice and start using it for your stuff and have her maybe as more of an ally now that she's been a victim of what it is she was saying didn't exist before. Well, instead you went the other way and then that made her dig her heels even in even more and then she's now still firmly where she was back before, you know? But nobody wants to think that way. Instead, people want to just be angry and argue. I um, had it happen with some trans people, you know, back in the day. It's like, I'm such an ally to the trans community, and that's not at all me being sarcastic or anything like that. Yeah, I incorporate them in my act, but that's because of the different situations I've had and the different friends that I've had. Like, if you ever heard, like, my trans jokes before I got into it with the SJW end of trans, it was just me telling stories about my friends, and that's originally what some people got mad about because they thought that I was just like saying these things to be insensitive, making these things up. But it was like, no, I've been talking about trans since forever in my career just because I've always had trans friends and I've always used people from my past, from my actual life to, you know, paint the story or paint the pictures and tell the stories of what has actually been in my experience, you know? And I had to find different ways of making that more relatable to people who it's completely unrelatable for and make it funny and also show some heart in it because most of the stories that I told, you know, well, not most of them, like when when it was, you know, I was just starting out and stuff like that, all of the stories I told were just, you know, about my friend. And yeah, it would be specific because the punchline would be something, you know, that was uh, not even derogatory. It was always true, you know, like I used to do a f- joke about my friend named Sable and... um You know, and it was about how when you're Mexican, people just assume that you know how to speak Spanish. Like they assume they automatically have a translator and they don't bother to test it out. Like one day I was in the Western Union, a very Mexican area of uh, Phoenix with a friend of mine named Sable. Sable happens to be a transsexual, but I'm sure you've all seen Jerry Springer, so you know what that is. Well, obviously by that part of the joke, it tells you that this was several years ago I was doing it because at that time... 
America's only connection with transgender people at the time referred to as transsexual people was Jerry Springer. Like middle America, the flyover states, uh, redneck clubs, they didn't know any transsexual people. In a lot of cases, people still don't know the difference between a transsexual and a transvestite and a transgender. You know, people which transgender and transsexual are basically the same. It's just transgender is the updated version of that. And a person like me is willing to accept that and understands that and doesn't have a problem with it. Some people haven't even made it that far yet because they don't even know the terminology. So right there, I'm already teaching people some stuff. But like I said, this was years ago. So I said the Jerry Springer thing. And then that made it just relatable and gave everybody a quick ch chuckle. They're like, oh, that's what your friend is. And then, uh, you know, when I did the joke, it's like uh, we're very Mex Mexican area of LA. We're in line at, or very Mexican area of Phoenix. We're in the line at Western Union. We get to the front of the line. Woman behind the windows uh, speaks nothing but Spanish. So Sable looks at me and she says, girl, tell her I need to send us money. I said, Sable, I don't speak Spanish. She said, well, girl, how are you going to be Mexican and not speak Spanish? I said, I don't know, bitch. How are you going to be a woman and not have a pussy? And that joke used to get a huge laugh, still does get a huge laugh when I do it, because I'll do it sometimes in a way almost like I did it for you guys, like relaying it to them and letting people know. But the truth is, that's a sassy conversation that me and Sable actually had. And, you know, it was like a you-know-what moment from her, you know, where it was we, we, like, and she knew I loved her because we were always hanging out and she was part of my Sunday rounds, you know, because I used to make the rounds every Sunday where I'd go hang out with my friends and we'd smoke a little bit, we'd talk a little bit, sometimes we'd drink a little bit, you know, and I would stop by Sable's house and she lived with her brother and at the time Sable wasn't sure if she was going to get breasts, you know, she was identified as trans and everything like that. She had taken hormones, but she didn't have actual breast now she has beautiful implants and she's just a beautiful woman and it was even beautiful back then but she was much newer in her transition so she wasn't as advanced or you know necessarily as passable as she is now but she's one of the most fascinating people I've ever met and also one of the most open and comfortable with herself at the same time. Like she's not trying to be anything but who she is. And I don't even know if she identifies as transgender or transsexual or just as sable at this point. Because a lot of people I know are kind of past those titles. They just feel like I'm just me and you're either my friend or you're not. You either get it or you don't. It's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time explaining to you. We're not going to run through it. You know, it's just kind of like... Yeah, you address me as she and her because I tell you that's what I am and you're going to respect that. And I can tell you one thing about Sable. Sable will beat somebody's ass quickly, easily, no problems. She's that kind of bitch. And she's beautiful, like I said, but she just will fuck you up. And there's no two ways about that. Um, maybe if you're, you're a rough one, you'll give her a good match. But I still, money's on her to come. I, she's, yeah. So, but, you know, um, so like I like that was back then that I was having to relay these stories and make these characters who were actual people in my life are actual people in my life, um, you know, relatable and also let people know that it's OK to have a sense of humor about this stuff. And it's OK for some of this to be different from you are different from what you're used to. But as long as you're open to accepting that these people exist and you're less likely 
to commit an act of violence towards them or give them a hard time if you see them. Just let it slide. You know what I mean? Like, how does it affect you that this person uh, identifies a particular way or feels a particular way? Like, maybe they do feel like they were born in the in the wrong body. Maybe they do feel like they were born in the wrong gender. Maybe they feel that as strongly as you feel that what you are is the right thing for you to be. But, you know, and you can disagree and feel like, okay, that's not something that I necessarily want to be around. Then nobody's trying to force you to be around these people. The only thing anybody's trying to ask of you is that you don't do anything to hurt these people. You don't do anything to bother these people. Like if you want them to stay on their side of the world, you stay on your side of the world. That's great, too. If you happen to come into contact with one of these people, at least someone like me has at least done a little joke maybe that made you feel a little more, you know, like I do a, a joke where I talk about one of my friends, Coco, and uh, one of the situations where we had, um, you know, where we, in a, we were in a Walmart and they were trying to treat her different. And there was one time where I accidentally embarrassed her and I wasn't even meaning to embarrass her. I thought I was helping her out because we were in a tanning salon that I would always go to to tan. You know, that's when I went to like a freestanding tanning salon. Now I tan inside the Planet Fitness. I have black card. It's only 20 bucks. If you guys want one, you should get one. You can also bring a friend in with you whenever you want. Not sponsored at all, but just trying to give you a little heads up. But uh, back in those days, I used to go to a separate tanning salon. So one time I asked Coco to go with me, and, you know, her gender hadn't been changed on her ID. And so when the girls saw her gender, they they laughed about it. And, and like, I saw them chuckle. And at that time, that's just the way the world was, you know, that people would do stuff like that. They would be really shitty and really mean with trans people, you know, which I'm not saying doesn't happen now, but then it was a lot more accepted. And so it was a lot easier for people to get away with. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, and I, you know, I knew to take the chuckle and not make a scene or whatever like that and just let Coco navigate herself and so then Coco was going to go tan too. So she went to her bed and then I'm, you know, in the little room they put me in. The little room they put me in is right near um, the, you know, right behind where the station is where they check you in and stuff like that. So these girls don't realize that I'm hearing their conversation because it's like, you know, the 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 wall doesn't go all the way up, you know, it goes up pretty high, like, you know, almost up to the ceiling, but not quite. And so I'm actually hearing them talk about my friend and they're saying he, and that's a man and like shit like this. And, uh, so then I'm getting ready to leave. Uh, Coco comes out cause she's through with her tanning and, uh, I just got so enraged and I just told those bitches, I was like, it's she and her. She's a fucking woman. And like, you know, I really got mad, mad. And I, it's one of the things that I still regret because yes, I stood up for my friend, but I could also see how embarrassed I, you know, how embarrassed she was that now I had called even more attention to it and made it even more of a big deal than they were making it. 
I thought I was helping, but in, in no way, and in no way do I feel like the victim in that situation or like she should have been more grateful. In hindsight, I completely see how I embarrassed her and how I should have just left it alone. And like I said in the beginning, when I was like, let her navigate it the way she wanted to, I should have let her navigate it. And if she said anything, had that bitch's back in a fucking minute because I already felt it myself. But at the same time, I, I do realize that I should have just left it alone. So, but you, you live and you learn, you know, and then you meet some people that would be like, yeah, well, why didn't you stand up for me? Why didn't you say anything? And so it can be a catch-22. So we all just do our best, like with any other friend, you know. You, you're going to mess up with friends, and I don't care if they're friends that are exactly like you. Like sometimes you handle things the wrong way, and your friend takes it as disrespectful or thinks that you mean it in a different way or that, you know, you could have kept your mouth shut or you shouldn't have made such a scene or, you know, they just happen to be more conservative than you when it comes to emotions or that kind of thing. Things or sometimes like I feel that way, you know, where I feel like, yeah, it's not really addressing worth addressing. I, I would rather us just not make a big deal of it. I'll just never come back to this place again. Or I just and it's not at all out of any kind of fear or shame or any of those things. It's just sometimes it's just a matter of it just not being worth it at that particular moment. You know, um, there's times when people say shitty things to me online is usually where it happens with me, but people will say shitty things to me online and the old me would have been a lot more reactive, but the me of today feels a lot more like, yeah, I don't really want to give that energy. I don't think that person deserves anything and they're only saying the most superficial thing they think would be hurtful. But to me, it's not hurtful. Actually, it's just an indicator of your ignorance or where you're coming at things from. So I'm not going to let the way that you choose to express yourself change the way that I feel about myself or the way that I see myself or what I know my reality to be. You know, and you'll see people do that in an emotional way sometimes too, or when when it comes to like trying to make it seem like people don't like you, you know, and it's like, yeah, well, I know that that's not my reality. I know I have a lot of people that really do love me and care about me and watch out for me and have my back and call me and make sure that I have know I have places to be if I want to or, you know, friends I could hang out with, people I could go to dinner with. Like, I have so many people surrounding me. But online, sometimes when people are mad at you, they'll be like, nobody likes you. You don't have any friends. And you're just like... Yeah, that's just not my reality. So I get you saying that it's supposed to make me feel shitty about myself. But when I know the other side, I posted about this the other day on Facebook. Like some people need to remember that social media isn't real life. Like, yeah, it, there are things that spill over into real life, but in a lot of ways, it's not real life. Like, the people that are the trolliest on social media are, in a lot of cases, the quiet and the most meek in real life. And that's something you notice if you've ever hung out with or know any internet trolls. In a lot of cases, they're the most shy, uh, introverted people in the world when it comes to being out in the actual world. And that's why they get on Facebook and they're such a fucking terror because they don't even, it's like not real life to them. Like to them, they're just going after these 
things, you know, that they can, you know, call names and shit on and maybe go through their pictures and say rude things to, you know, or judge their physical appearance. Like, but it's not a happy life that these people are living in most cases. In a lot of the cases, these people are miserable all the time. You know, and and that's why you don't get made-for-TV movies about Facebook trolls, you know? Made-for-TV movies, uh, inspirational stories, books that people sell, usually are stories of triumph, usually are people where people decided to rise above whatever discrimination they were facing or whatever physical uh, challenges that they had, the, you know, the way that they overcame them. It's never like, you know, oh, so they just... Stayed bitter on Facebook, huh? Well, that's an interesting. It's good. It's a good movie. You know, it's you never hear about that, like, because that's not, and that's never going to catch on. You know, where people are going to be like, so they just decided to be a victim and live in that for the rest of their life. Well, that's inspiring. That's what I want to watch. It's it's not the way people work. You know, people want to be inspired, and that's why. Like I said, I would rather at this point in my life just continue to be a positive force or go back to being a positive force and not feed into even my own negativity. Sorry I'm yawning. But I've done good on this episode of not yawning that much, you know? Uh, But, yeah, I don't even want to be in my own way. Like, I was having a conversation with a friend earlier tonight, like an actual phone conversation, which... I kind of hate the phone, but there's a few friends that I feel like every once in a while we have to get on the phone. Renee, I talk to Renee on the phone, you know, at will. Sometimes we talk a lot. Sometimes we don't talk a lot. I feel like we're kind of on the same same wavelength with that. Uh, You know, we don't, neither of us. Like, she was raised an only child. I was an only boy. We're used to living in our own worlds, and then when we talk, it's like nothing happened. But, uh, you know, like no time has passed. And then, uh, you know, Chris Storen, I feel that way with Kenny Lyon. I feel that way with, you know, where every once in a while it's just we're due for a talk. And so um, there's a couple other friends. And so I'm on the phone with a friend tonight, and they're concentrating on the negative. And I was just like, don't concentrate on the negative. You get in your own way when you concentrate on the negative. Concentrate on the positive. Think about all the things that are possible. Instead of looking at other people and wondering why they have what they have and you don't, instead, figure out how you can get what it is you want. Don't worry about what they have because in a lot of cases, you probably wouldn't even want what they have for your life. That wouldn't be what makes you happy. But you can think about, okay, what could I be doing to get myself to where it is I need to be? Forget what they're thinking. Forget what they're doing. They're not thinking about you in most cases. So might as well work on getting out of your own way and being the person that you're meant to be. So if you guys want to know where I'm at, botherinas, that's how I'm living my life right now. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I I think it was pretty entertaining, and I, I kind of like the track that I was talking about And I really feel like I gave you guys a good uh, representation of where it is I'm coming from with a lot of things. And if not, then you guys can hit me up and let me know what you thought. Slide into the DMs. Post on the comments. Do what you got to do. I'll get back to you. You ain't got to do nothing but pull up, baby. You ain't got to do nothing but pull up. Anyway, it's time for me to take my last shake of the night. Well, it's now... 
what time is it? 6.30 in the morning? 6.26 a.m. Yeah, damn. It's a late one for this boy. But yeah, I got to take my last protein shot, shake of the night. Uh, and then I got to take L-arginine and orenthine. I don't know what it's called. All I know is it makes it so my body doesn't eat its own protein source or go to the muscle for protein source while I'm asleep. It's it's helpful with that, baby. It's also supposed to help raise my testosterone, but it's not a steroid in any way. You could buy it off GNC. You could buy it at uh, bodybuilding.com. You could probably find it on Amazon if you try hard enough. But, yeah, that's that's my nighttime stack. That's part of my nighttime stack. Got all sorts of shit coming up. If you guys want to check it out, americasfavoritefag.com. I'll be updating my calendar very soon. Plenty of stuff coming. Don't worry about me. Worry about your goddamn self. And whatever you do, stay absolutely 100% motherfucking unbothered.